0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, I'm here to speak to you again about the genius of Mr. Jess Franco. And who could tell you about that? That'd be I, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, and I bring you another episode of the Franco Observer Podcast. This is episode 35. No, It is not. Yes, it is. Episode 35, Film 35, The Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse. Now, this is an interesting episode because I have recorded this intro now before. And what's bad is when you do multiple episodes and record things, sometimes you either record over the files or move them or get relabeled or replaced or whatever. So... I am recording this intro for a second time, um, and I'm probably not going to do as much of a thorough job as I did on the first one, uh, which is okay, because this is a very jumbled film, and I'm sure if you've seen it before, you know what we're talking about. So, let's see, I'm going to give you just good basic rundowns of this, and kind of fill in some good things, and then we have a special uh, three-person review this week, uh, myself, Mr. Eric Whitwell, the usual co-host here. And then we're joined by a third reviewer, uh, Mr. Bob Heron from Sacramento, California. And old friend of mine and Eric's from... uh, I've known Bob for probably 30 years now of my life, something like that, 29 years. And uh, big cult fan, watched hundreds of movies, cult films with him and other people throughout the years on a weekly movie night we had. So, speaking proper... This is episode 35, film 35, The Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse. It's a Spanish-West German co-production, 1971, uh, presented by Cooperative Phoenix Films out of Madrid, and then uh, Telescene out of Berlin um, were the two on that. Uh, Original theatrical title in the second country of origin, Dr. M. Strikes Back. On the Spain side, they really pushed the Dr. Mabuse angle. On the German side... They scaled back and called him different things, including Dr. M, and he's really not referred to as Dr. Mabuse because they considered this a lesser Mabuse film for some reason, and they didn't want to kind of sully the Mabuse image with this film. So that was their um, rationale and uh, mentality behind that, however correct or incorrect as it was. Alternative titles, German, is uh, Dr. M. Schlagselden. Uh, let's see, Spanish shooting title was El Dr. Mabuse, then it came out Mabuse 70, German shooting title, Uh, Der Dr. Mabuse, German alternative shooting title, Uh, Der Mann der Zeit der Mabuse, German alternative shooting title, and let's see, uh, theatrical distributors on this, Rosa Films out of Barcelona, CCC Filmkunst, once again out of Berlin, and uh, they had a film export worldwide sales, they had really no, Worldwide sales were made on this film, so it really just played um, very few markets. Shooting date on this is one of the quick runarounds, which I love. The thing I love about Franco is his quick shooting schedules. On this one, it went from February 25th to March 12th of 1971, which is uh, about 17 days, give or take. Uh, it played Berlin day after Christmas the following year, December 26, 72, and then played later Barcelona on that version. Uh, November eighteenth seventy four so yeah, Franco made the film. Uh, the producer wasn't happy with it. He went out and sh- the German producer went out and shot some more scenes and re-edited the order of the film and redubbed certain dialogue story points. and so if you watch the German version and the Spanish versions, they're two not completely different films because it's the same thing, but it's what they're after, the motives, the names, uh, crimes and different things are moved around. So it's really almost like with Franco. Um, his films are very similar like that, where you'll have two different experiences and two different uh, viewing pleasures. So uh, let's see. Then, um, then it played Seville in August 29th of 75, about three years, or actually about a year after Barcelona. Uh, so yeah, 88 minutes West German print, shorter one, and then the Spanish longer is uh, 97 minutes, we have a good cast on this film. A lot of returning uh, Franco players. Fred Williamson, uh, I'm sorry, Fred Williams returns again as Sheriff Brahmer Thomas. Eva Stromberg in her last Franco film as Jennifer Paganini, also known as Jennifer Herring, the pussycat. The great Jack Taylor uh, returns as Doctor Mabuse, but on this one in the German version, he's referred to as Doctor Kranko, C-R-A-N-K-O. And the Spanish one, he's referred to as Dr. Mabuse, also known as Professor Farkas. Uh, Roberto Camaraldi plays Sultan of Drunkenness. Moises Augusto Roca plays Andros, the monster. He's really good. Uh, Gustavo Ray plays Malou, uh, Thomas the sidekick. Eva Garden uh, makes one of her first Franco films, and she comes on to do a few after this. Um, she, I think she did one before, but I'm not sure. Uh, she plays Wanda Orloff, uh, daughter or niece or whatever of famous dr orloff but dr orloff and this is played by a different person uh angel menendez plays professor parkinson frederick yoloff plays herman Cranko's male assistant linda hastraker plays helen coleman the first victim abducted by andros uh guillermo mendez plays parkinson's cia contact jess franco mr crosby sheriff thomas's superior siegfried lowitz plays professor orloff wanda's uncle so, yeah, we have Secret Loritz as Professor Orloff in this one. Uncredited, which is sad because you have the great Benny Cardoso, who is really effing good in this film, as always. And she plays Leslie, Cranko's uh, assistant. And then uh, she, uh, let's see, we have also Andres Manales as John Paganini, Jennifer's boyfriend. And uh, Manuel Marino, Mark's an FBI agent. He's credited on screen but not visible in any prints. That's interesting credits on this directed by Jess Franco story Jess Franco screenplay Jess Franco and Arthur Bronner, as art burned uh, let's see director of photography Manuel Marino editor Jesus Maria Pisson and the, Renate Engelman for the German one um, let's see. music David Kuhn of course is uh, Mr. Jess Franco and we have producer Arturo Marcos Trador on the Spanish one and Karl Heinz Moschkin on the German production supervisor, of course, again, was Karl-Heinz Um Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, music, okay. and IntelliSign producer is Arthur Brauner. uh Reborn, a mind dedicated to evil, Spanish eyeline. So, yeah, we have basically a Spanish version of this and a German version. And the Spanish version, it says it takes place in Fresno, USA, and in uh, the... Uh, German one it says it takes place USA just north of Mexico and uh let's see this is funny um I'm gonna kind of go over some of the same things that I read in the first deal um a final film in the West German production package that began with Vampiros Lesbos in 1970 uh, Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse was shot immediately after um Killer Pax's bags uh Deadly Vengeance Soho between February 25th and March 12th, 1971, Franco made four films for Arthur Bronner's CCC, and Telescene Production Companies in 1971, but didn't deliver them until 1972, a delay that infuriated Bronner and led to the end of their association. In the meantime, Franco busied himself with a string of films for other producers, a fact that could not have helped soothe Bronner's impatience. To make matters worse, when Bronner finally saw the films, he found two of them distinctly lacking. Um, Dr. Mabuse and Virgin Report were both too short, in fact, barely completed, a failing for which he mostly blamed Carl Heinz Mutchkin. Uh, to salvage some of these ramshackle productions, Bronner ordered additional shooting, something which um, they announced, and uh, he basically shot the um, heist sequence and shot... Uh, is that was only in the German version and then a few other wraparound things. Um, so it says, yeah, basically that, uh, the first Dr. Mabuse film was in 1922, Fred Slang's Dr. Mabuse, the gambler and Testament, a Dr. Mabuse in 33. And, uh, it goes on to say that there uh, uh, once again, murderous passions, a delirious cinema of Jess Franco, volume one, um, all research for this film has came from this book. Um, which is really good, and you can get it everywhere you like to shop. Uh, good bookstores, of course. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool uh, World War II-type um, mad doctor machinery in this. Uh, Jack Taylor pretty much stays as Dr. Mabuse seated in this one room with his sidekick, Herman, and uh, they kind of stay stuck in the same room because he doesn't like to go out and do field work, so that's a way to keep him somewhere in there. Um We have a lot of good actors. Minnie Cardoso is great in this, like I said. Um, And uh, uh, Andros uh, Moise's Augusto Oroca is really a great heel monster in this. Um, A good Frankenstein-type deal. So it's funny. It says here that uh, the haste in production results in some glaring continuity errors, especially in regard to the passage of time. When Leslie and Andros abduct Helen, The action switches from night to day and back to night, and time is similarly chaotic during the scene in which Sheriff Thomas and Malou pursue Leslie after she leaves the Red Garter Club with Jennifer. The geography is a mess, too. In the Spanish version, Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse, the plot relies on a constant shuttling back and forth of people and time and materials between supposedly Fresno in California and Tampa in Florida, a distance of over 2,600 miles. Evidently, we're dealing with Jess Franco's America, which bears no relation to any map you may care to peruse. Uh, and the generally more sensible German variant, Dr. M, the story is set somewhere near the border of Mexico, um, which looks plausible given the scrubby coastal location and the uh, Old West police station. And, um, yeah, he talks about that, how the, the sheriffs and this are kind of a joke in that. Um, any, all of which logical inconsistencies, corner-cutting and lousy pacing makes the storyline, to be honest, something of a pig's, dinner. Uh, while *Avenged* Dr. Mabuse was the final film to bear the Mabuse name, it would be a mistake to suggest it was responsible for killing the long-rented franchise. That was 1989's Dr. M, they say. Franco appears twice on screen, once in a speaking role as William's cigar-chomping boss, Crosby, and then again as a patron of the Red Garter nightclub with his hands cupped in front of his face to conceal his identity. In a very casting crew and very odd casting choice, the sinister Dr. Mabuse is played by a ginger-bearded Jack Taylor, uh, looking less like a scary supervillain and more like a sleazy gym instructor. Uh, Fred Williams is the rankishly handsome but essentially hopeless policeman wearing a cheap straw cowboy hat and interrogating witnesses in what looks like a Spaghetti Western sheriff's office. Brain-damaged Hulk Andros is portrayed by Portuguese ex-wrestler Jack Roca, who had already appeared for Franco as a hospitally orderly in Count Dracula and played heavies in The Devil Came From Axavana and uh, El Moreto Gésar Moretas. Uh, let's see, as far as female cast, first victim is played by Linda Hastricker, who turns up again as a mysterious blind girl and Virgin Among Living Dead. Ewa Stromberg, in the last of her five film appearances for Franco, plays the ditzy flirtatious Jennifer. Less well-served, however, is the beautiful Eva Garden as Wanda Orloff, whose role is ill-conceived and poorly developed. Rounding off the female cast is the compelling Benny Cardoso as Leslie, a hard-faced dominatrix who keeps Andros in line with a whip. Uh, let's see. Yeah. And in this book, they go over quite all the differences between, uh, the German version and the Spanish version, which is like three pages of text back and forth. And it's almost like a question and answer between the two versions. Um, so yeah, that's going to wrap up this portion. It's a little bit shorter one. Like I said, I'd already recorded about a half hour part talking about the history of Dr. Mabuse and all that. Um, but yeah, you could read a lot of that, research it, find it up at Murderous Passions, they talk about it, and uh, of course the great internet. But yeah, you know, they had Dr. Mabuse the Gambler, Testament of Dr. Mabuse, Thousand Eyes of Dr. Mabuse, Return of Dr. Mabuse, Terror of Dr. Mabuse, Visible Dr. Mabuse, Dr. Mabuse versus Scotland Yard, Death Ray of Dr. Mabuse, and a few more I'm sure that you remember. So that's all the Mabuse, for the last caboose for the Mabuse, I think is that. So, uh, let's see what else we want to say. Um, I got the German, uh, DVD off of a gray market deal. Um, it's all right. I'd like to see it come out on Blu-ray. It'd be cool if they put out a Blu-ray with the uh, Italian cut, or I'm sorry, with the German cut and the Spanish cut, they should do that and then have like a commentary. Cause it'd be cool to contrast the two and see the difference. That's actually would be a good deal. And I think people would actually pick that up because it would make it good. Um, really curious type stuff. Um, give you everything. Oh yeah. Mission statement, praise and in memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And we do that with this podcast. Please download this episode as it increases the numbers and the audience. Please rate and share on your favorite listening platform. The more positive four or five star reviews, the more it takes Apple and other places to open up their eyes and see we are there. So please spread the word. Please help the podcast grow. Um, grow baby grow we all want to grow right so let this grow and we'll keep getting bigger and better I love it I'm doing this as like a third deal because I'm doing four films right now and doing this podcast so let's keep listening and uh, I'll keep putting out podcasts we want to do all, all the films so we got like 174 somewhere like that to do so let's see what we can do alright what else we got here uh, you can find us on Facebook Frank Observer Podcast Instagram Frank Observer Podcast And you can get a hold of us, email, francoobserver at yahoo.com. All right, well, uh, thank you. And uh, we don't have a trailer for this, so we're going to go to the bumper music. And then we will go to the review portion with myself, Mr. Eric Whitwell, and Mr. Bob Heron. So uh, beware, Dr. Mabuse is always watching. Hey buddies, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from Sacramento, California, home of the doors. No, uh, that's L.A., home of the doors. This is uh, (laughs) Sacramento, California, home of Desert Visions. Uh, And today, um, I have a special show. Uh, I have two guests today for episode. I have my usual co-host and co-reviewer, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Bonjour. 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 And uh, we have a old-time friend uh, and uh, fellow cult movie viewer, Mr. Bob Heron.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy.
0: Howdy, Bob. Thanks for coming by. So Bob came by and watched uh, The Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse with us. Um, We watched the German version. There's a... Uh, let's see. There's a Spanish version and a West German version. West German version's 88 minutes. Uh, Spanish version's 97 minutes. Um, since we watched the German version, I'll give you the synopsis uh, for that instead of the Spanish one because this is interesting. These two films—they actually took the uh, film and changed sequences and changed people. So, all right, here we go. Um, Dr. M. Schlag-Zun-Synopsis, the USA, just north of the border, with Mexico. A female employee of the McDowell Institute for Laser Technology is abducted from her apartment by a sinister man and a woman. The abduction is witnessed by Jennifer Paganini, a nightclub dancer, who lives next door with her boyfriend, John. At an abandoned lighthouse, we meet a man known as Dr. Cranko, who has been killed Commissioned by a major crime signicant to obtain secret documents kept at McDowell Institute relating to the construction of a new super weapon. With his sidekick Herman, he hopes to use the abducted girl to furnish information about the secret papers. Meanwhile, the local policeman Sheriff Thomas is ordained by his boss Crosby to hurry up and solve the case. Under hypnosis, the young woman divulges that the papers are about to be transferred from the institute by security van andros is ordered to dispose of the girl she manages to break free but andros catches up with her on the beach and strangles her he and leslie are then dispatched to hijack the van steal the secret papers and replace them with false ones at the police station jennifer comes forward and describes what she saw on the night of the abduction Meanwhile, Cranko realizes that the stolen information is encrypted. The criminal organization employing him will demand the papers in two days. Cranko decides to extract the codes from one of the scientists at the institute. Whew. Herman is halfway there. Herman is aware, thanks to sheriff's corrupt. Herman is aware, thanks to the sheriff's corrupt boss, Crosby, that Jennifer has spoken to the police. He suggests that she be abducted and used as bait for one of the scientists, Professor Orloff. Kranko sends Leslie to visit Jennifer at the Red Garter Club, posing as an artist agent. Sheriff Thomas and his assistant, Malou, who are watching outside, see the two women leave together and try to give chase, but their car breaks down. Leslie takes Jennifer to a deserted office block, where she's overpowered by Andros, and taken to the lighthouse As Andros and Leslie drag the unconscious woman inside, they're spied upon by a passing vagrant. Professor Orloff informs his niece, Wanda Orloff, Sheriff Thomas's girlfriend, Eric, that certain papers were stolen from the Institute, although the thieves failed to gain the most important item. Currently, the FBI and the CIA are fighting over who should investigate. Kronko and Herman managed to bug a meeting between the FBI agent Marcos and Professor Orloff. They hear mentions of a safe containing the encrypted codes. Kranko orders Andros and Leslie to kill Orloff and bring Wanda to the lighthouse, then subject Jennifer to his mind control device. He sends her to the Institute to hypnotize Professor Parkinson into revealing the whereabouts of the safe. Parkinson discusses security With a man from the CIA, then bumps into Jennifer, who hypnotizes him. He tries to telephone the CIA to warn them that he's killed before he can explain. Kranko then sends Andros with two hired hoodlums to the McDowell Institute on an armed raid to blow open Orloff's safe and steal the encrypted codes. The hoods are killed in an armed battle with security guards. Andros escapes and returns to the lighthouse. There he is berated by Herman and unable to take it anymore. He goes berserk. He strangles Herman and Leslie and attacks Cranko, who stumbles into a bank of circuitry and dies of electrocution. Andros carries Wanda out of the burning lighthouse while John and the vagrant pull up in a car and rescue Ginny. Thomas and Malou arrive and shoot Andros dead. My name is Jason, and that is my story on the United States of America. Thank you. (laughs) I know. That was a long fucking. Wow. So, Eric, what did you think of the movie? I know, man. So, uh, Eric, first off, what did you think of the movie?
2: It was uh, first of all, I just got to point out, I love the fact that the mad, evil scientist mind controlling scientist is named Cranko.
0: I know in this version, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> going to take over the world. This mad scientist Cranko.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a uh, <laughs> auto parts shop, you know, Cranko's house yeah. of tools or some shit. You know, is Kraken or Cranko?
2: Yeah. yeah, you it's like old richie guy or something like that. Yeah, um, this was a it was a really good movie it was it was it was great they had the shots similar to the last movie um, really great angular shots um,
0: a lot of fisheye stuff
2: yeah a lot of fisheye stuff really cool cinematography but this one was easier to follow so I liked, wow. I like the fact that this had an easier plot even For, though
0: i just described like 20 films because this is one of those things where there's so much information in the film there's yeah. like not like quiet times every scene means something like it's a part of the story almost like a david lynch movie where you have to pay attention to every scene or you'll fr- lose a part of the story you know
2: i, I guess what i mean by that is that i know like this is the bad guy this is the good guy yeah like i know that this is he's going after this person you know i i guess that was more i felt like the pacing of this i've was able to follow a little bit easier
0: yeah no, there's uh you're right it's in the minimalism of like dr uh dr mabuse or dr kranko uh being in the one room and a lot of the, the smaller stuff like that made it made it easier to follow um what, what did you think of like uh uh eric what, what would you think of like some of the people that you've noticed from week to, from week to week show to show coming back in like say benny cardoso and and uh um, you Stromberg, and them. Just tell me that for a minute.
2: Oh, Benny Cardoso. Uh, she's, she's literally like one of the coolest people like in the Franco universe. Uh, she's, she seems to have gone with him through many different uh, producers. Like she's a, uh, seems to be a main staple and she's like, I don't know. She's like the cool, like androgynous woman, you know, like she could look like a beautiful woman. One day she can look like she's, uh, a dude, another day. She could look. Yeah,
0: uh, she had definitely always had yeah. strength. And then I, I you, was Stromberg, I thought was was pretty pretty cool in this too. You know? Oh yeah, you know, she looked really.
2: Yeah, this is like she looked really pretty in this. I thought this was some of the best that she's looked. So like back in the day, we would show a couple Franco
0: films, like say uh, Fu Manchu and some of the Greta uh, Elsa films and that, and saw and Bob saw some of those. So Bob, what did you think of this film? Just watching this is just something that you just happened just to come over to somebody's house and watch.
1: Well it felt like I was seeing like uh or watching three different movies in one. Yeah. Had like that Wild West. Right. Like I pointed out, it looked like they shot in a in a in a museum of a Wild West jail. And then you got the high tech like what we we're talking about, uh spy film stuff. Right. And then uh well then you got the horror movie stuff right at the end.
0: Right, right. You yeah. Know, total, the-
1: total all that was just completely inspired from some sort of classic yeah you know, Frankenstein monster movie. See, and
0: Franco's a lot like uh, Quentin Tarantino where it's almost the kitchen sink where if you watch his movie, there's a lot of elements in it. You know, he's part of a horror movie, part of a war movie, part of a Western. That's like what a lot of he does. He'll throw in a couple of things where you're like, if you don't like this, in a few minutes you'll like this and it's something totally cool. Well, sometimes you
1: know. so he'll just mix it right in that yeah. scene within seconds. Like the, when the sheriff shot, It was like, that looked like a Wild West scene with the, yeah, sun, the set sun set behind, behind him, him and totally. then cut to the...
0: The monster, yeah, the, monster with the music, the woman, the
1: girl. It's like, whoa, what a jump! Yeah, yeah. And it's in the night and day stuff, and that one scene that was just hilarious.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of continuity flaws with that. It's, oh, that's it's pretty funny. That's
1: what makes it awesome, though. Yeah, that's, a, that's that's a jewel.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about the Franco films. is like you you watch them on one way, and it's a movie you're watching, you're enjoying it. And some of this is kind of like a comic book, the monsters and the shootouts and the old west and stuff. But then you have certain things that are so surreal, that are so bizarre, like. Tell me what you thought when the car broke down and suddenly there was this electronic sound effect of like a spaceship or some shit when this 50s car, I asked Bob, I said, hey, Bob, what kind of car is that? He goes, I don't know, but it's a, from like the 50s, you know, and even they say in the film that the car they're driving is an antique and this is a 72, so they're driving like a car that's 20-something years old, you know, but that sound effect was like, and some sounds that that car would never, ever make.
1: What well, was funny. Actually, watching this movie, it totally reminds me of like, Working on some of your movies with yeah, you, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, why, why I love Just, just Franco. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, That Sound effect. I, I could, I could just hear me, you know, where you're doing mixing on one of your movies. I don't know if the, would that sound be, yeah, be uh, correct, Jason. I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's get this done, man. Yeah, yeah. That just totally kind of felt it there. like it. Totally right, like felt that's like almost something that you would do. Yeah, and it's but funny. It was hilarious. It was just like. They didn't have it in the wherever you would get your samples from, and okay, let's that sounds good. Let's just put it there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I wonder if that's a conscious decision decision to do it like as a joke to like play up the scene more to make a comic-y type of thing, or if it's like you're saying they just didn't have the right sound and threw it in there, you know. But I don't. I think it might have been the la- the the former of where it's done more of a comic effect, you know.
1: I yeah, I think it's kind of like he was he he obviously does things from you know from the hip, right. And it's probably like, oh, that is good enough. Just put that sound effect there. Let's move on. See, and
0: and he's a jazz musician, too, like with the jazz music. So a lot of his film is very jazzy. Like his films just kind of flow like a jazz piece where it just goes into one thing and you have your structure, but then you have your part where you kind of just jam. And like such movies, they kind of jam for a little bit. Then you get back to the plot and then it ends, you know, just like a jazz song. So,
1: yeah. One thing I did really like, and we we talked about, it, is uh, his angles and that using that wide-angle lens yeah. constantly, totally reflect Clockwork Orange. Yeah, this
0: was shot before that too. So
1: yeah, and I was like, whoa, this feels wow, totally yeah. got a Stanley Kubrick type of feel to it.
0: And he always has really cool locations, and in this, he had a lot of, like futuristic type of buildings. The seventies futuristic, which I like, and I'm I'm sure you dig as mm-hmm. well that aesthetic where it looks like it's socially futuristic, but it's very minimal, like those white buildings with all the glass and. Some of the shapes of the roofs and shit made it look like it's like uh, Logan's Run you were mentioning in a few things. That, that you one saw, outside you know.
1: scene kind of reminded me of Logan's Run where all the people were coming out and looking at the old man at the end. Just just the structure, not that yeah, scene. right, right. Just the, the, the uh, landscape.
0: Yeah, I think that was that place built in like Arizona or something for Logan's Run, that building I th- they used. think It's like that so. college building or something. It's like a futuristic land. There's like a... Um, architecture it was like a a, done for like a world's fair thing or something they used it was a water
1: treatment plan or something I can't remember huh
0: but uh, yeah no there's there's definitely a lot of cool stuff with this Um, you know the architecture and of course very beautiful women in this film like all of his films Um, but yeah so this was like uh, by this time he was on film 35 Um, and this film is really interesting because there's like two versions and he puts the scenes in different order in the Spanish version and in the German version, uh, we watched the German cut that I think was uh, gray market. Of course, it was probably taking off, taken off of a German TV print um, that we saw that. Um, but uh, Eric, what'd you think of Jack Taylor as uh, Dr. Cranko Dr. Mabuse, <laughs> also known as Professor Farkas?
2: He looks so different with his beard. Yeah. yeah, but he, he, Farkas, yeah. yeah. he was cool, man. He Farkas was like... is Farkas. <laughs> He was cool with his black sleek shirt on and his his uh silver medallion with uh yeah, Chinese his medallion. caricature on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was a he was a cool uh, mad scientist.
0: Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah, he was a cool mad scientist.
0: Yeah, it's funny too because like he was supposed to be this like totally intense when everybody killed and stuff, but like they still had his hair combed all perfect and you tell he was like trying to be a pretty boy, like some of the shots, he looked all manicure like had a real soft close-up of his eyes and certain like glamour shots that gave Ooh. him, which was funny. You know,
2: I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like this is the first time I looked at him. And go like, oh, well, he's actually an attractive guy. <laughs> he's not actually like this kind of awkward looking dude. Yeah, so yeah, that's kind of funny. That it, it's
0: funny because in here they, they say that he looks like a sleazy gym
2: teacher and the. NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, where does Stephen Thrower go to school? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, see rewrite that. But uh, let's see, he goes.
0: Uh, yeah, he goes in a very odd casting choice, the sinister Dr. Mabuse is played by a ginger beard Jack Taylor, looking if truth be told like a scary super if truth be told, less like a scary supervillain and more like a sleazy gym instructor. Uh, Fred Williams is the rankishly handsome but essentially hopeless policeman, wearing a cheap straw cowboy hat interrogating witnesses in what looks like a spaghetti Western sheriff's office. See, that's yeah,
2: yeah, 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 that's that's that was the funny part about it too. That was the, the straight contrast.
0: Yeah, because all the bad guys were like high tech, futuristic stuff, and the and the good guys drove an old, beat up '50s antique car, had an old old West sheriff's office, had old guns and old old you know even his like the sheriff, his boss was just Franco. And his assistant was a guy that was like twice his age that just sat around rolling cigarettes all day yeah. and smoking and like talking hobo. about his wife. And yeah, and totally, totally comic relief and stuff. Um, and then you had uh who I like, of course, brain damaged Hulk Andros is portrayed by Portuguese ex wrestler, Jack Roca, uh, Moses Augusto Roca, who had already appeared uncredited for Franco as a hospital orderly in count Dracula. And he played a heavy. And Devil came from Oxava, and uh, Elmo. And uh, Death packs his bags. Uh, the Avenger of Soho. And then um, uh, let's see. His last credited screen role was the Monster and Devil's Kiss by uh, Jordi Gigo. Um, let's see. Um, and the woman. Let's see. As for the female cast, they're certainly glamorous. Though the film is relatively chaste when it comes to nudity. The first victim is played by Linda. who turns up again as a mysterious blind girl and a virgin among the living dead. Ewa Stromberg, in the last of her five appearances for Franco, plays the ditzy, flirtatious Jennifer. Uh, Less well-served, however, is the beautiful Eva Gardner as Wanda Orloff, whose role is ill-conceived and poorly developed, running off the female cast, is the compelling Benny Cardoso as Leslie, a hard-faced dominatrix who keeps Andros in line with a whip. Yeah, um, yeah, the the music's really good in this, too, like uh, the German version... um, I think it's Jess Franco, actually, that did uh, the music on the German version. I'm not sure, but it um, doesn't really say in the book too much. It just talks about the pacing and everything about it on that. Um, but, yeah, so like with this, I'm going to go ahead and hit the list real quick and, and check in with this on Eric. Um, <clears throat> the film starts off with A Body of Water, which was really good. Uh, no sailboat. No. but There is a boat in there. There's boats. Uh, palm trees. Yes, outside. Mm-hmm. Eric caught those. No jungle sound effects.
2: No, there was a bird sound though at one point, like that was just kind of out of place. Yeah, but it wasn't general, not general. I'm right, not any right. General, I would say that's like more that. the environment. Yeah, yeah, it was like also a that. bird whistled like in a weird. Stri- yeah, I caught it. It was
0: okay. No, okay, number six, chained up person.
1: No, I didn't. No.
0: No, no I know. I'm trying to think.
1: Tied person at the end, but Who was tied up? Yeah. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't he carrying her then? Wasn't she kind of like? Well, what what about, no,
0: they were like line controlled. I think they were just kind of sitting there. I don't think they were confined. But yeah, they they would kidnap them. It's like they would
2: knock them out. They would tie them up. They'd knock them out and then carry them away. That's true. There really was not no S&M chaining up things.
0: Although there was the S&M with her whipping the, kind of the Andros with the whip a little bit. But
2: that's about it. That's tame compared to Yeah. Like other There's stuff, always SM themes. That's so. some tame stuff right there. <laughs> uh, number
0: 7 dance scene on stage stripping. Yes. yes. There is in the Red Garter uh the Red Garter Club which Red Garter Club um will have actually that uh inspired another thing which we'll get to later on on the list of a new list number. But uh aside from the exterior of the club let's talk about the interior of the club. So the girl uh US Stromberg, was stripping you got to see your mm. boobs uh 30 your pubic hair too 31 minutes that's true 31 minutes into the film yes um and she does like the round and, and yeah her line i'm a pussy cat yes yeah i <laughs> yeah, have it written down here she goes i'm a panther i'm a tiger
2: i'm a loving cat on one of on, them yeah so that's funny um can yeah I, can i say something though about that scene that just kind of cracked me up go one. ahead go ahead okay i'm sorry, I'm sorry i don't, maybe. no no go ahead um so there's a – towards the end of her dance, she's like pulling down her panties, right? And she's exposing her pubic hair right at the end.
0: This sounds like something Eric would want to talk about.
2: Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, and like then it goes to the audience and this dude looks at his woman and he says, I don't like this. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> almost like trying to excuse like, I'm not really watching this. I don't like this. And
0: the guy was played by Andy Osborne. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that was a funny scene. A guy who's like, I, was like yeah. I don't like this. And go. uh, okay, so number eight, uh, club scenes dancing. No. No, that was not. the only club scene. Yeah, just the yeah. on stage, yeah. Number nine, jazz music. Hell yeah. yeah really cool good jazz, jazz stuff in this. Number ten, excessive zooms. I don't. Really seen a lot of excess there's close up shots, but nothing zooming in or nothing crazy like he usually does. No. Pretty tame on this. a uh, number eleven out of focus shots. A few, not crazy, but there was a few that we yeah. were laughing about. Uh especially with you, Stromberg was one that comes to mind and uh, a couple in that sequence when they were doing the mind control thing. Speaking of oh, not there yet. Number twelve, mirror shots. Um hmm. not really Damn. Because in the, the location, like the mad scientist room, or, he didn't really have a mirror. And then uh sheriff's office didn't really have any mirrors. And the club didn't have anything. Um, nothing like that. So I'm Yeah, yeah no there's no, no mirror shots. No. Oh. Uh, 13, hell yeah, mind control theme. That's what yep. this film's about, a lot of mind control themes. Um, but it's funny, on the German version, it's less mind control than in the... Um, And the uh, Spanish one, because the Spanish one, they use moon rocks to power up the instrument. And this one, they use papers that have the code to fire it up, so it's a little bit different. Which I like the the moon, because that's more of an organic kind of a mind-control thing. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. No, No, there's no Lena in this. I miss her.
2: Yeah, I know. I miss Lena.
0: She'll be coming around the mountain soon, so. And I will be, too. You
2: get what I mean?
0: The only thing you'll be coming on is a pair of socks. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Comfortable socks on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Eric pulls the socks up real tight when he sees Lena. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number (laughs) fifteen. All you listening. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Number fifteen is red light. Hell yeah, a lot of red lightness. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's quite a few. and these also keep all still always references, even though it's a different series of films. Number sixteen, no sheepskin rug, and no masturbation with a C item. I miss uh, those too. Yeah, I know. No more. <laughs> no more. Keep- yeah, Bob. Bob hasn't really listened to all these item. shows, but what's a C item for with, during the Urban C Dietrich series of films? He was a producer that they did about uh, fifteen or sixteen films for. And about about half of them, there was always a scene when an actress would masturbate with an item, and we noticed it was always a C. A cucumber, a champagne bottle, <laughs> a uh, candle, <laughs> a, <laughs> a cigar. cigar. It was like all these. Uh, things. We noticed that every every week it was a C. We're like, well, th-, and then we realized that the producer's name was Irwin C. Dietrich, and we wondered if Franklin was doing that as a joke, like a C, like a Irwin C. Dietrich, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, C. So D. C. D. I don't know, but I thought the C, yeah, D. Trick, but yeah. but I was laughing more like the C because it's Irwin yeah. C. Dietrich, and all the items start with the C, and I was like, and all of a sudden we started doing the clue week by week, and we're like shit, dude, this is like a kind of a chain we're figuring out as we do the research, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so it would always be great to see The, the cucumber, the favorite was the talking cucumber, oh, and the cucumber that was talking no she's, as she's way. dealing herself with a cucumber. Yeah. You might want to go back and listen to the Mondo Erotico episode. Okay. Yeah, you'll like that okay. one. Okay, okay. So yeah, it's mass with the C item, uh, number seventeen. Mad scientist, fuck yeah! There's uh, Doctor Orloff, of course. Kranko. Doesn't play Doctor Cranko. Doctor Cranko. Doctor yeah. Mabuse. Cranko. She gets some Doctor Cranko shirts made, you know. Some fucking Doctor Cranko. <laughs> like who the fuck is Doctor Cranko? No, hell, i ain't
2: wearing a Doctor Cranko shirt, dude. Walk around Sacramento. Hey, like, people oh, ask druggy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like who? Uh, who's your physician, <laughs> Doctor Cranko? Where do you do your podcast? Oh, <laughs> Rio <laughs> Rio <Linda>. yeah <laughs> Dr. Crank, not Dr. Cranko. Dr. Crank.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, Dr. Cranko. Dr. Cranko rules. I just love that name. Dr. Like it's cereal. Yeah, I almost <laughs> something the guy on South Park or something. Dr. Cranko, like yeah. like he's a uh, mad scientist that does crank calls. Like Dr. Cranko. Yeah. Like, Hi, is your then refrigerator then... running? You better go catch it. <laughs> you like, got twelve pound balls. How do you walk? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I crank call him crank. Yeah, Dr. Cranko. <laughs> So let's see, uh, number 18, fish tank shots, no, no yeah. fish tank shots in this, uh, 19, no talking parrots, no, nothing like that, um, although you had Chico, uh, the vagrant's dog, but he didn't talk, although he got excited by the panties hanging by the fishing yes. pole, so that was interesting. Uh, number 20, uh, end credits, yes or no, Yavol, yes, uh, yeah. the German one did. Uh, so here's two new ones. Um, one I came up with and second one Eric came up. with. the first one I came up with is handwritten notes or handwritten signs I should say yeah. handwritten signs is better. <laughs> On this one for the Red Garter Club there was a handwritten sign that said Red Garter Club right out front. Um, he uses the handwritten sign for the jail or for the, uh, the jail and um, when behind bars or yeah. where it was that one and, and he uses a lot of the handwritten cardboard and chalk and felt pen and stuff and this one we definitely saw that it was pretty funny because it's like this really nice establishment but they have this like handwritten fucking sign out front just like
2: on poster board like taped to the wall
0: yeah and then there was a second one that we were laughing when the um, the the guys come in they do this heist and they like knock out the uh, night guard and then they leave a sign that says back in five minutes and he just happens to have this handwritten sign in his pocket and you like puts it out on the desk and so that was the second one Uh, number 22 this one mr eric came up with and it's the spiral staircase shot we've noticed every a lot of the sequence or a lot of uh franco films there's always a shot from ground up looking up and you see the spiral staircases or there's always uh, i i said before there's always a scene of a woman running down a staircase toward the camera and this there was the monster carrying the woman toward the camera you um, definitely uses a lot of stairs But definitely with Eric Talking about the spiral staircase Going round and round from bottom up That's what you're talking
2: about Yeah, right? he, he loves those shots He loves he loves yeah, those shots You see that a lot of, of that
0: You know, That's a good cinematic to shot Totally I think he brought out Yeah, yeah, there's that shot It looks like What was that uh, Volume one Volume the red album And the blue album Or whatever Those those best of ones Yeah had. Yeah uh, So, okay So this one um, My little notes I have um, Not too much Um so I was kind of digging the film, watching it and hanging out and having a good time. Um, we had a notice, you have on Stromberg, her name on this German print is Jennifer Herring and she had red hair. So she was like the red herring and they make kind of a joke about that. Um, the Red Goofwater Club. Um, uh, so you have. Uh, oh, yeah. Which. OK, so there's a scene which I liked with her. Where she's kind of talking to the cops and telling them the story, and she like crosses her legs like a, a basic instinct. Yes. The cops are kind of like watching to kind of see what's going on there. Yeah, tell, yeah, I didn't think about that, that that's a yeah, good angle. T- t- yeah, the cops are tear t- ganger and she has like the white boots and she crosses and crosses and they're like trying to look. But in this one she has stockings so she's not showing her vagina, but they still want to like right, but that catch one a peek. Shot, though. Yeah, yeah, and then later on she like kinda like, turns her hip and they like try to look at her ass when she's turning and that like, shot he was funny, it yeah. looked over the counter Yeah, the calendar And she's really good in the scene. She's funny. She plays it up as a comedy type of thing and 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 it's a good like funny scene sequence and it's not dirty but it's funny because as a viewer you want to see what they're seeing so you kind of like and and frank that way he's a voyeur and in the audience is always a voyeur looking at the nude women and stuff so this it's like we all kind of look just as we're the we're, we are the cops watching her you know that's what
2: they kind of liked about these cops too like they were so unprofessional yeah so unprofessional like they're interviewing her and like oh, they, yeah, they try to keep her in check you know like she starts talking about like oh well, you know he was tired so we were blah 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 and they're just like oh let's get to the blah 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 but then they're like trying to check her out and yeah and then later when she's like kind of leaves with Benny
0: Cardoso's character and it was on her own free will instead of following her they think oh she's going home with a girl tonight Ah, something for a change yeah exactly (laughs) what was funny
2: though is when they were interviewing uh, her boyfriend the guy who she who she called her husband at first and then said to the guy that she lives with Right. right So they're interviewing him because he thinks his girlfriend's missing. Like he thinks she's been kidnapped. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. I think she's been kidnapped, like the other girl. Oh yeah, and he's totally afraid. Yeah, he's, he's afraid. And they're like, oh, well, she's probably just tired and fell asleep after going home with a customer. You know, and it's like right. they're trying to put in his head that like she's like out with some other dude or woman. Yeah, and, like,
0: totally saying that his wife or his girlfriend is not more than just a stripper. She like is a prostitute. Yeah, you know? and he's yeah. like,
2: oh, I know she's not like that. I know she's not like that. And it's just like, you're cops, dude. You're like, you're like this guy is scared. Well. <laughs> Well, because so er, uh,
0: but I think he learned that because earlier in the film, his the sheriff was talking to Franco, who's his boss, and Franco says women sometimes like to be kidnapped. And like that's his thing with the whole rape thing again, where it's <laughs> oh, like dude. sometimes these women want to be taken against their will and, and held and, and dominated, like. And dude, so he's you
2: know. So Franco, you know, he hella rubbed <laughs> off on Eric, that the, the yeah. German dude Eric, right? He because Eric was all like, you know, it's a battle, it's a struggle. You right, got to right. come first with power and right. It, it, that is all part of the
0: game. They resist because if they don't resist, then they put off a different charm of they are slut. So they resist, but they know they want it. So they break the will, and and once you do that, it's all a dance and a game and it's all part of the thing. It's like, no, it might be called going to jail if the is no and you grab her, I think a no and a resistance might mean no yeah, resistance. Like sometimes know?
2: people are resisting because they want to resist. Yeah, not because they're
0: trying to play the game to see if you'll take the next step. So, yeah. I'm not know.
2: trying to run away because Yeah, I want right. to get in your van. Yeah.
0: That's that's always the, Yeah, I know. And they have a very cool – actually, does not a van in this movie, but the last one we were watching, they're driving that van. But, uh, yeah, they have a fucking cool vehicle in this. Um, So, yeah, so uh, let's see what else, Leslie. um, Yeah, also, too, like I was talking about, one reviewer had mentioned that what makes Franco cool is uh, when you watch his films – you almost feel like you're with that person. So like that scene where we're watching that woman kind of flirt and stuff, we kind of want to see what's going on. it's like, he gives you that sensation that you, that you're kind of like in a real conversation or something where you, you have that instinct to try to do something. And that's good to, to like, um, uh, engage your, your like natural instincts compared to just, something out without you know it's a real primitive thing but it's it's kind of cool how he knows that and can actually
2: click on that with a lot of his films we've we've both done that during his films like tried to look around oh, yeah, the corner. I've done in this film I tried yeah. To look around the corner yeah we've both done that even though it's it. a flat 2d image like we're yeah. still like trying to like peek around it and yeah stuff. see if
0: you could see down her blouse <laughs> like like He'll have a girl lean forward, and I'll naturally try to like lean to see if I see. And it's like, dude,
2: it's a flat. Like, if I lean,
0: I am going to see anymore. If I am sitting here, or here, it's like it's a fucking screen, dude. It's not a change. It's not a real person, but but that's that's the magic yeah, of him. He does no, that, it makes you th- forget you are watching that. Um, and then t- uh, yeah, so then like I was talking about the me. The, 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 the highlight was probably the car sound effects, the electronic kind of a I don't know really interesting. Uh, oh yeah, and that sequence too was really comical because he has the weird sequence with the car sound effects then he has them in the car before that and they leave the club at night they're traveling then it's daylight then it's night again then it's daylight again and then it's night it's like yeah the the day for night continuity on that is just terrible um and let's see what else uh the vagrant break i thought was funny um with the panties and the fish um that i thought was almost like a jess franco type of character where he was just kind of like you know, just a happy dude hanging out by himself, kind of peeking and seeing things, and the, and it's funny too that the guy knew how how long the panties were in the water. these were only in the water for about three or four days. Yeah, it's like, well, how did you know it was three or four f- days?
1: Or something like that. Did he? Did he act like he smelt them or acted like he? No, that was
0: Eric talking about last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah no, okay. uh, No, but uh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I was know, fishing. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're fishing for compliments, that's all you're fishing yeah. for. But no, uh, yeah, no, it's, so yeah, yeah, I, I think he talked about. The uh, the age of them, like yeah, how they looked. looked. Yeah, he looked at them and said they weren't all war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also said like she either drowned or she was thrown in here. Well, yeah, and and plus he exactly he says about uh, I wonder how Sherlock Holmes would think about this or something because he's like, well, these are very pretty panties, so there must be a very pretty girl wore these pretty panties. Yeah, I was like, okay, that makes sense. They're not all big underwear of bloomers, and they're that small size. Although those are pretty people too. Yeah. Why wow, you can tell Eric works uh, at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. No. But yeah, you, you are right. We're all we're all beautiful people. <clears throat> <laughs> so let's see. Speaking of beautiful people, um Andros, the assistant, the
2: ball head. I knew you were going to talk about him. Yeah, so
0: so Eric, tell me about what makes him beautiful.
2: <laughs> well, I really like the the pattern of the the head. Actually, I will say with this character when it comes to the special effects, like it was actually pretty good. Like, yeah, like, no, there's uh, some good stuff on like here. Like the sewn of the round of his head had yeah. like really cool like sew lines in it that looked realistic. Yeah, it had mistakes in it.
0: Yeah, and, and the scar on his eye wasn't the best, but the, yeah, those the stitching around the head looked really good.
2: Yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, considering Franco's special effects, like that was actually pretty good. Yeah, and
0: and just the the uh, big computer I liked in the uh, Doctor Mabuse's uh, lab, and then I liked. Uh, the clay they used and some of the wires of that little thing they're going to use as an explosion explosive device they didn't use. Yeah, it was just a real simple thing. I was showing Bob, talking to him earlier about like special effects and how simple things – put put the point across and you believe it. Like with that, he used just that clump of clay and a couple of wires that he stuck in and had it hooked to maybe like a little battery device of some kind. Yeah, he had some sort of some, like
1: – I don't know. It looked like some sort of like, it looked like some Boy sort train, of train, like, maybe a barrier. Yeah. It had plugs in it. It almost looked like it's something, a volt checker. Of some yeah. It's something that you had know, nothing it,
0: to do, but it just, people don't know. You just put it there. Oh, okay. And you just, it passes, you know, and yeah. it's like, saves a lot of money and, it's, and it fucking does its thing, you know? Um, but yeah. And then one thing I thought was funny too, the cops, of course, they're being like totally funny in this and they use the guns and shoot. In the end, the ball headed guy, andros saves the woman. But then of course, the cops shoot him in the back and kill him. Not in the front, they shoot in the back, and then they, like, save the girl, and then it's, like, over, you know? But, yeah. But so. could hit the girl
1: because he was carrying her. Exactly. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. So, And they weren't even worried about, like, him maybe falling forward with her in yeah, his exactly. arms. And maybe, like, ocean, power slamming like, her.
0: Yeah, totally, yeah. like, getting her down and hurting getting her and stuff. Her. <laughs> yeah, no, and speaking of the cliff, too, there was a funny scene earlier where he was trying to kidnap a girl, and he has to, like, sit her down and, like, crawl down the rocks, and then she kind of, like, sees him daintily going down, and then she gets up and starts splitting. And she has no shoes on and I was talking to Eric about how like all the girls run through with like no shoes on in the movies and like barefooted and jump in the water all that shit and you know.
1: And they all talked about that poor actress you know that had to have been been yeah. like hell oh, yeah, all over those rocks into those sticky weeds and stuff.
0: Well and this was uh, filmed in like a March so you know it wasn't hot but it still was probably hot or warm with those rocks and shit you know. And oh yeah it's we were asking about where this was filmed. Uh... Let's see this music Franco on screen cast and crew it, locations. Uh, Carlos Aguirre reports the film was shot on location in Spain between La Manga del Mar menor and Alicante, including some scenes filmed at the hotel inventories in La Manga. So yeah. So Spain and Alicante, hmm. which, uh, yeah, we're looking at that with the cars and everything and driving on the right side of the road compared to the left, which, uh, we didn't catch on, uh, Strangler Soho, so you know, Deadly Avengers Soho. So but uh yeah, so I don't know. Uh I definitely like this film. Thought it was cool. Um had a good pace, it was very Franco like jazz style, you know, it, it moved along. Uh it was crisp, it had cool contrast between the old and new and the old fashioned, new fashion, beautiful women, had funny dialogue, good good pace of it. Um little incoherent some spots, um, could have been a little bit of a stronger story, maybe a little more money, but that, other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Um, what did you think about it, Bob?
1: I was really impressed with... Uh, I was just thinking about it, actually, the lighting.
0: Yeah, there's really cool lighting in and, this. And um,
1: it makes you wonder on some of those locations if all that was just available light.
0: Yeah, I mean... And I it's bet fe-
1: you it was, was. he just They shot it, and that was the light that was available in those rooms.
0: Well, and Franco is like that. Uh, he, he doesn't really... When he has certain films, he'll have People that do lighting for him and they light a certain way. But with him, he uses just a lot of available light or he'll just use one or two basic lights. He's Mm -hmm. not really too hardcore. But with that one shot we liked where they were coming in and the light coming in through the windows when he was laying her down on the bed. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did
0: the other light coming in. We were trying to figure out where that light was. Right. And they had that nice sunlight coming in. And he uses the colored lights and other things as well.
1: With that one area where she was running and had like those big glass walls and the hallways. That looked like, okay, let's just turn on the lights of this building, and that was it. Right. You know what I mean? It the light looked, Oh, yeah, 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 right, really right. It looked really like that was just, looks good, let's shoot it. Yeah. You know? yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, that's one thing, too, I forgot to go over, too, the ending of this. It totally turned into like a universal monster movie where it, he had a lot of jazz and stuff, and in the end he used like a, I don't know the theme, but it was like a total 30-style universal monster movie where he had... The monster and the burning castle but it was a burning lighthouse and then the, the monster taking the woman away and killing the, the mad scientist and going off on his own and stuff. You know? and, and
1: just the music alone in that. Scene yeah, it
0: was, totally changed the whole and thing. And even the cutting. Yeah. The
1: timing of the dramatic yeah. music. I'm like, holy cow. We, and like did we just jump to the 40s or 50s, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, the water hit the rocks and then you see it's like totally cliche stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, Eric, uh, what's your final thoughts on this film?
2: Oh, I liked it. I liked it. It's something I would I would show people. I would watch. Um, like Bob said, the lighting was phenomenal. The, the, the cinematography was phenomenal. Like it was, it was awesome. I, I really liked it. I really liked it. And I and I love the all the different genres and and the jumping of yeah the jumping of genres in the same film. Yeah, yeah. I, I dug that actually. Yeah, that's
0: one thing that's cool with certain Frank films to do that. He'll, he'll throw in a couple of things like that where it makes you like kind of get up and pay attention. Um, and uh, for, if you want us to pay attention you can get a hold of us at uh, Franco Observer Rose. at uh, com, and we'll pay attention and check on those emails and uh, also to uh, subscribe to our show uh, we get good numbers we get more numbers every week uh, audience always gets better we get uh, bigger, bigger 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 and more people is good and that helps us so Please subscribe, please download, please tell a friend like uh, Alpha Beta Commercials used to say back in the day.
2: And if you could leave us a good rating, that'd be awesome and a good review. Yeah. That would be amazing to, to, to hear... You know, positive thoughts about this so we can, you know, take yeah. that positive energy and put out more.
0: And if you want to leave any negative thoughts, it's E-R-I-C, Eric's <laughs> first is Eric's
2: so
0: you name know, Make sure you get the Or dirty right. thoughts. Give me some dirty yeah, thoughts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we got our Franco Observer page there. You can find us on Instagram, Franco Observer podcast page there. Put up all the new uh, DVDs, Blu-ray shirts, all the cool Franco stuff and Stuff inspired by Franco and other cool Blu-ray, good stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's going to be wrapping it up here for Franco Observer podcast. Uh, once again, this was episode thirty-four, um, the Vengeance of Doctor Mabuse. I'm sorry, episode thirty-five. Am I saying thirty-four? Episode thirty-five, film thirty-five. And uh, hey, thirty-five. And it's about thirty-eight minutes, so about three minutes over the thirty-five. So,
2: adios. adios Eric likes to say beautiful nights